Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's podcast episode. I'm J.W. Marshall, host of Voices of E-Learning, and we've got a great guest with us today, Andrew Clark. He is the founder, president, and CEO of Zovio. And Andrew, how are you doing today? JW, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And if we could start out by just uh, letting you give our audience a little introduction to yourself um, and to your company, uh, then we'll jump into some questions. Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder, president, and CEO of Zovio. Zovio is a company I started about 17 years ago in 2004, uh, right at the end of the dot-com bubble bursting Uh, when it became apparent to me that online education uh, was going to be uh, really a trend for the future for college education. Um, And it has been one fantastic ride uh, where we've now become a world-class educational technology service company uh, that provides ed tech services to almost 200 universities throughout the United States, and that list is growing literally uh, uh, almost weekly, especially as you would imagine, uh, JW, with COVID-19. So it's a very exciting time for for Zovio. Um, We just announced recently a a big transaction with the University of Arizona, uh, where they are forming University of Arizona Global Campus, university with about 35,000 students that we're going to provide technology and services for, uh, for the end-to-end student journey. Um, and then we have some very dynamic uh, uh, companies in Full Stack Academy and Tutorme.com. Um, you know, one providing coding solutions into the continuing ed arms of universities, and the other is providing online tutoring solutions for universities um, and and for uh, students, learners uh, all over the country. And uh, again, as you can imagine, with the pandemic, uh, their business has just been completely off the charts and, and in demand. So it's been, uh, it's a really exciting time here at Zovio. Absolutely. And and we can't start this conversation without diving a little bit into the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about um, maybe the 16 years prior and the direction of things before the pandemic hit and really what's changed? How have things accelerated in 2020? Well, gosh, if I would go back to 2004, 2005, I mean, online education was was pretty much snubbed uh, in higher education. Um, and it was that way for, you know, uh, quite a few years. Um, I, I would say that uh, higher education didn't begin to embrace uh, online learning until probably about six or so years ago. Um, you know, of course, what changed with the pandemic is that, you know, forced everyone to go online. And we could talk about that. There's, you know, kind of various forms of, of being online, um, some that are high quality and others that are kind of low, really low quality. We've just we've got to get online and we've, we've got to have access to students and students to, to teachers. Uh, but when we started back in 2004, 2005, it was we were one of just uh, you know a couple of universities that provided full online degree programs and the thinking there was you know with an online university 
we wouldn't have the infrastructure that's so capital intensive uh, that a big physical uh, campus brings with it. And therefore we could pass those cost efficiencies on and lower tuition to students. And that's exactly what we did. And, uh, you know, we would have been really happy if about, I don't know, 5,000 or 10,000 students had, had come from that. And uh, amazingly, uh, people in the United States just responded terrifically to that value proposition. Uh, and those that felt priced out of a quality college education came in really in droves uh, for quite a while. And then, of course, things changed, got very competitive. Uh, you did see more uh, nonprofit universities and, and even some public universities uh, begin to deliver uh, online learning, remote learning. Uh, an example here in Arizona where Zovio is based would be ASU. ASU, um, I think, was was pretty visionary in their view of uh, online education and and got into it in a meaningful way uh, probably about uh, five, six years ago when that competitive landscape started changing. Absolutely. And ASU's been known as a leader in online education for a while now. So that that's a very strong partnership. Talk to us a little bit about the increasing importance of the role of smart ed tech services to power online learning. As you said, it's not just about taking your learning and shifting it online as you were before. Um, explain to our audience a little bit more about smart ed tech. Well, I think, you know, the easy way to kind of distill it is that smart ed tech is really about the use of data. Uh, and most universities obviously have data, but the data is fairly siloed. Uh, sometimes it's not aggregated. Uh, they might not even have the resources like a um, like a Zovia would have in terms of uh, machine learning, data analytics, data scientists, uh, being able to build predictive pla uh, modeling platforms. So what we did, JW, one recent example is we just developed uh, a product we call uh, Signals, uh, ends with a Z uh, instead of an S, and Signals um, for student retention. And what that allows us to do is we have a, a predictive model uh, that's with about a 85, 90% accuracy. We can understand using 50 different uh, data points, students that are potentially failing a course or who might potentially drop entirely from their college education. And what that enables us to do is uh, actually identify those students really early on uh, and uh, deploy some uh, early intervention to help those students uh, succeed academically, or in some cases, you know, life's getting in the way and they need some counseling. And so there's a combination where faculty are alerted to students that are at risk, uh, student advisors are alert, alerted. And just in our own case study, we saw a 3% increase in retention, which might not sound uh, like a lot to you, but uh, in higher education, moving the retention needle by three points is is pretty uh, remarkable and pretty significant at, at any university. And what we intend to do is really uh, deploy that you know smart ed tech out to other university partners. And where they're not just getting the technology, but they're getting our services that go with it. So because that's where 
that's where really the magic happens is not only being alerted by the technology and that predictive modeling, but then having uh, the right resources to be able to respond to that and do that early intervention with students. Uh, we looked a couple of years back at what universities care most about, and none of it would surprise you. Uh, one is, hey, how do we get the right kind of student to begin with who best matches our university? And then the number two thing is, how do we retain that student? And so Signals for us actually works across the student life cycle. It can also help them identify uh, the potential new student. So it builds a variety of uh, lookalike models and predictive models and uses machine learning to help an institution identify the students who would be best matched with their university. Wow. And a, and a 3% increase is is really big, especially now when a lot of universities are, are seeing a decrease due to the pandemic. So, so that's really amazing. Tell us a little bit more about uh, the strong growth that you've seen with your partners, uh, if this is kind of across the board, and what's that doing for, for their earnings? Well, you know, um, primarily all of our partners are our universities. Uh, we also do some work um, directly with uh, corporations. But, you know, for the universities, the really meaningful opportunity for them is either retention improvement, which helps improve their student outcomes. And of course, also keeping that student in is uh, helps from a financial perspective. Full Stack Academy uh, and Tutor Me, both of those uh, technologies and services. In the first case, Full Stack provides coding curriculum into continuing ed. And so as you see, a lot of universities struggle during the pandemic with kind of financial challenges because of reduced enrollment. Uh, many of them have uh, turned to their continuing education arms of the institutions and said, hey, you know, let's see if we can't do more here. Uh, and what are the types of uh, uh, curriculum that, you know, perhaps we're not offering that are most needed in the marketplace. And, you know, entry-level software engineers, cybersecurity, those are two of the different programs uh, that, full, that full stack powers behind universities like Virginia Tech and LSU and Caltech and, and a list of others. Uh, and they bring an entire end-to-end -end solution into the continuing arm of the university, which again, generates revenues that could could replace some of the lost revenue that a university has seen due to lower enrollments. TutorMe is helping, again, around student success. And so university partners, they've been signing uh, university partners in this last quarter. They had 60 universities alone sign up. Um, and those universities are, are obviously looking to try to help the educational outcomes of their students that are learning remotely, but even students on campus, the few that are back on campus, JW, um, they don't want to go to a tutoring center, especially in in this right pandemic now. world. They don't, they don't want to go in face to face with somebody. Um, and what's really unique about our platform is they can get that tutor in under 30 seconds. So within 30 seconds and a click of the button on their screen, they'll get a really highly qualified tutor in the subject area that they're focused on. And uh, we have universities that are paying to provide that service basically as a free service to their students. Again, you know, as, as you would expect, really focused on student success at their institutions. 
Um, and Tudor Me's also then had school districts because of this, K-12 school districts. Uh, they just had three this last quarter that signed uh, agreements with Tudor Me to provide tutoring services to um, you know, middle high school aged uh, children. And then we've had employers reach out to Tudor Me saying, gosh, you know, our employees, they're working from home, their kids are taking classes at home and they need tutoring. Mom and dad, you know, have to do their job. They don't have time to stop and help uh, their son or daughter with algebra. So they're providing Tutor Me as a benefit uh, into their employees, which um, when you think about it, you know, especially during this time, what a great benefit to be providing uh, to your employees so that your employees can do their job and then their kids academically are being successful. And it's a great equalizer too, because tutoring has usually been for people that, um, you know, are, are usually at the higher end of the, uh, of the wealth spectrum. And when you have corporations really taking this on as a benefit, now employees kind of at, at all uh, within the entire range uh, of the salary spectrum have this benefit and can utilize it to help their kids do better in school. That's amazing. And I know that's going to resonate a lot with our audience um, because parents have really become thrust into the forefront of K-12 education uh, through this pandemic, uh, in some cases as the teacher or at a minimum as the facilitator. So hopefully this is music to uh, my listeners' ears that there's a resource out, out there that can help and to the businesses listening that they could provide this as a really could be a key differentiator uh, for not only 2020, but moving into 2021. Speaking of, uh, you know, the, the education uh, as it relates to employers and, and adult uh, learning, talk to us a little bit about uh, the shift that you've seen this year towards micro-credentialing, towards continuing education for whether workers that are um, have lost their positions and are trying to reskill, or companies that have been proactive trying to increase the opportunities for upskilling their employees? Yeah, I mean, there's been a uh, shift that's been happening, as you mentioned, I think a little earlier, JW, in terms of um, upskilling and micro-credentialing. I mean, it all started um, you know, three, four years ago. You've seen the momentum build behind this. You've seen the consumer, the learner, you know, starting to look for uh, shorter educational type of offerings that gave them a very specific set of skills that they could turn around and immediately use in the workforce, uh, in the workplace. And the pandemic just, you know, accelerated all of that. It, it took the consumer behavior that was already building and it just kind of poured gasoline on that fire. And, and we've seen, you know, tremendous growth at Sovio as a result. The velocity of it has been um, really pretty remarkable. And, you know, if you look at full stack, we expected them to have six university partners at the end of this year. They're at twice that. Uh, and we expect them to be somewhere around 25 by, by next year. Um, and these universities are looking for those small, in this case, being, you know, early uh, entry-level engineering uh, developer roles or cybersecurity roles, trying to educate uh, students, many uh, are alumni that have, you know, perhaps gotten a bachelor's degree already in another uh, degree field and are looking for these very specific skill sets that they can turn around and utilize in uh, high uh, uh, job opportunity areas with um, with pretty high uh, you know, average starting salaries. 
entry level uh, software engineers are usually in that seventy-five to eighty-five thousand dollar range, and, uh, and and it's just a great outcome for uh, a student who is able to do that. Now, we also do something called Learn at Forbes, which is a skills to employment um, direct to consumer. Uh, we also license it uh, to to businesses as well, and we're looking into licensing to universities where uh, people can take self-paced, very specific short uh, uh, courses that they can complete uh, at their own uh, uh, pace. They can finish it in, in a week. They can finish it in four weeks, depending on kind of their demands and what they have going on. Um, how to be a uh, great leader in the workplace, for example, very soft skills kind of thing, um, but high demand on the Learn at Forbes platform. Uh, how to um, how to do social media marketing, digital marketing. You know, again, uh, a nice short course, high demand for uh, for skills like that, where somebody either already has a job inside a company and they're trying to perhaps pivot to another area of the company, and so they're learning these new skills. Um, or in some cases, we have consumers that are out there, young consumers trying to get that first job, which of course is particularly challenging during the pandemic with you know what was a very high unemployment rate i know it's it's come down significantly but still has a way to go and these are great solutions for those folks absolutely and and i was just reading a, a really interesting article about soft skills versus hard skills and um, the author had talked about maybe that's the wrong question sometimes maybe it should be more positioned as uh, perishable skills versus durable skills, um, because a lot of those soft skills aren't soft. They're very durable. Um, I was just curious if you had a, a hot take on that for our audience. Well, I actually, I love how you put that JW. I mean, those soft skills uh, are durable and, and they're ones that last a lifetime and are, are needed. I, I think, you know, regardless of what organization you work for, uh, kind of what job you hold, uh, it's oftentimes those quote unquote, soft skills or durable skills that it, the difference maker in how successful people are uh, in a given uh, job or a given role inside a company. Um, I think the, the, the hard skills that people learn, I saw an interesting stat the other day that kind of the half-life of those skills now is down to five years. And, and so that's something that, you know, I think everybody should kind of take into their calculus when they think about learning uh, we've talked about lifelong learning for a long time, uh, but it's becoming very apparent, and I think it's apparent to uh, uh, the individual that they have to keep their skills relevant in order to um, continue and compete in, in the in the marketplace. Absolutely, and I think that comes back to your um, your message to employers that today's workforce is typically learning somewhere, whether that's a LinkedIn learning or a Udemy or a masterclass, um, there's all kinds of different opportunities. And if employers aren't providing those opportunities or at least empowering their employees with uh, opportunities, then then they really could get left behind. Um, right now, it's not too late to kind of stay up with the trends and be ahead of the curve. But again, this pandemic has accelerated everything to where uh, if you're an employer out there and you're not providing continuous education opportunities, you really need to take a, a hard look at what you could be doing. What would be some good places to, to start for those listeners out there that haven't jumped on, on board yet with this uh, new trend, but really this new way of doing business moving forward? 
Well, I mean, I would tell any employer uh, to definitely go to learnitforbes.com, contact Learn at Forbes, um, and we would be happy to come in uh, with that platform and provide that licensing arrangement. So uh, because the, the, the points that you make are spot on, employers that do offer that sort of opportunity for their employees uh, benefit in a couple ways. They find that they benefit from the standpoint of greater employee retention, but then the quality of the employees that they're retaining also goes up because those employees are constantly learning new sets of skills through a platform like that. And we have, we've found uh, that the usage uh, by employees uh, of companies who do license Learn at Forbes and that platform for us is is significantly high. I mean, the 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 take up rate is is really meaningful, and it's understandable, right? I, with technology accelerating so much of what we do in our lives and what we do in the workplace, uh, people, I think, uh, just have to participate in constantly um, uh, upskilling themselves and and remaining competitive because the alternative is you don't do that. And then unfortunately, you know, you're not as highly valued at that particular company and you end up in a place where you're you're not employed and oh and there's people that you know this happens to them they're like uh oh what do i do now and i would say yeah go go to learn at forbes you can get a subscription you can get those skills and you can get right back into the game absolutely it's a lot easier to stay in shape with a a, a routine every week every month of learning than having to, to play catch up whenever uh, you know things aren't working out um shifting back uh to higher education uh, this is really, you know, a pivotal moment in education, especially for universities. There's a lot of um, unknowns and concern um, on what will happen at different levels from community colleges and trade schools all the way up through the Ivy Leagues. Um, what would be your advice uh, to meet the needs of today's learners and really to continue to, to stay in business uh, working here through the next year or two? It's a great question, JW. I mean, this is a very pivotal moment, as you just said, for higher education. Um, you know, many colleges have moved their instruction entirely online, um, but some universities have announced that they're either closing or they're restructuring, they're dropping degree programs, they're furloughing employees, they're limiting sports teams. Um, and there's even uh, conceivably some universities, smaller ones that we could see go, go bankrupt. Um, and over 90% of the students right now at these colleges and universities do not want to pay full price for an online semester that they were previously getting, uh, you know, on campus. And so there's tremendous demands on these institutions uh, for refunds or discounts or, you know, changing their cost structure around delivering uh, uh, the college education. And, and, you know, I have said here recently that, you know, universities have to become agnostic about where the student is. They, they have to not care whether they're at the campus or whether they're um, online. And so what colleges have to do, must do, um, is they've got to be smart and they've got to shift meaningfully into online education. And they have to have online um, delivery and and a pricing model that is attractive to students and that is differentiated from what they do 
on uh, the campus uh, for students, you know, typically and prior to, to COVID-19. Um, because students, especially now, need an institution that supports them um, and goes really beyond their studies. Um, online programs are, are more available uh, to address student needs. Uh, they can solve student issues much more efficiently and resolve those problems. Like, you know, some of, of what we discussed today, for example, with Tutor Me and being able to uh, provide that support or signals in terms of getting early intervention with students that are struggling uh, academically. And so colleges are starting to offer more uh, online only options. But I mean, I think we're really still in the early innings of that from from what I can see that a lot more universities understand that in order to increase their offerings and increase their enrollment, they have to have a very meaningful plan to shift online. And they can't continue to approach education, college education, um, the way they traditionally have before uh, the, uh, uh, the pandemic. Absolutely. And I think the other trend that we've seen reoccurring uh, recently is the shift in learner expectations for the value and the quality of the online learning. We touched on it earlier. It's not enough just to go online. Um, it seems like in the spring, there was a lot of forgiveness because there was a, a learning curve for universities, K-12, um, even uh, adult learning. But then over the summer, things started to shift. And now we're in the fall and those student expectations are as high or higher than um, they were before as far as the quality of education. What would you advise on um, you know, all levels as far as how to meet that expectation for learner uh, quality of education? Well, I mean, you're absolutely spot on, JW. Uh, and it makes complete sense that learner expectations have increased significantly. Uh, there was forgiveness when we were kind of at the height of all of this. But if you think about, you know, college students, think about the experiences that they have when they want to be entertained and they're accessing content um, that's of interest to them. There's so many ways in which they can do that through uh, their devices and through streaming services. And I think colleges and universities have to turn to companies like Sovio, who really use data to provide personalized education to students, because students have that expectation of a very high quality experience, one that's accessible, um, and, and one that tailors to their needs, because they get that in all of the other kinds of services they access, whether it's you know their banking relationships, uh, how they're uh, getting their groceries, the restaurants they go to, or the food that they order online, or the ability to um, you know access uh, streaming content. There's just this heightened level of expectation around technology and the delivery of services, and that translates right through to universities and colleges. And and they have to turn, in my humble opinion, towards companies like Zovio. Who really? I mean, we have a, a, a incredible team of data scientists and um, machine learning experts and data analytics folks that can really help an institution then personalize the services around that individual's learner and really elevate 
the type of online or remote learning that they're delivering to students. But it's it takes a deliberate um, strategy by the university. They've got to seek companies out like Zovio. They've got to engage them and and they've got to utilize those and make those part of really just their new business model, how the university is going to look, not just in 21, but well, well beyond it. Absolutely. We're the genius out of the bottle. We're not going to go backwards here. Uh, online learning is no longer a supplement. It's uh, the core, if not part of the core. And I, I love the, this conversation because I feel like this is a lifeline for a lot of universities out there uh, that uh, don't know where to start, that are chasing their tail right now. And um, it provides a real strategy uh, that with that data based, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, information plus the ability to leverage that data not just big data for big data's sake um let's shift one last time and kind of wrap up on a, on a high note hopefully um you guys are obviously a leader in your field and what you're doing today but what does the future look like for sovia what is uh, on the horizon well i think the future jw is really bright for zovio um you know i would anticipate that zovio has well over 200 university partners at the end of next year probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 plus uh just because of the demand that we're seeing for our technology and for our services um you know we uh i think will continue to add to the portfolio not just for uh what we do with full stack and tutor me but for the enterprise and unbundled solutions that we offer specifically around retention and student recruitment and instructional design and curriculum, which we haven't really talked about, but we really cover the full life cycle and we're very flexible. We can offer those, you know, either on an individualized basis for an institution, if they kind of want to, you know, take a menu of our offerings and pick one or two, or we can bring the whole end to end solution to bear like we're doing for University of Arizona. Um, so I think, you know, it's a really great time to be at Zovio. I'm, I'm super excited. I've been running this company for 17 years and I've probably never been more energized about the company, its direction, its future uh, than I am today. That's great. And, and really, I believe this is the beginning of the golden age of education. I wish it was under different circumstances, um, but this pandemic has really got a lot of silver linings for, for K-12, for higher ed, and, and for adult learning, real continuous education. Um, so I'm excited and, and I'm excited that Zovio is uh, a part of that future and really helping uh, accelerate, catch up, uh, you know, all those universities that are in dire need right now. Uh, there's a lot more that we can talk about. We've covered a lot of ground already today, so we're going to have to have you on for another episode later this year, if that's okay with you. Hey, that sounds great, J uh, JW. I really uh, enjoyed our conversation uh, today, and, and thanks for doing this. I think, you know, um, your podcast is fantastic and provides a, a wonderful opportunity for people to become be better educated um, and, and I hope that, you know, uh, you just continue doing the great work you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners out there. Continue to send us your feedback. We're going to have another episode coming up, uh, that's soliciting, uh, you know, your voices and your feedback. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. Uh, check out some past episodes. And again, Andrew, thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you, JW. All right. Thank you to the audience and remember to always keep learning.